All right. Uh, what is shaking, everybody? Uh, this is Kyle Serlo, and thank you for joining us yet again here on the Golf Guide Podcast. I have got an excellent guest for you today. Uh, and my good friend, Jess Stemak. He is a uh, uh, PGA certified teaching professional. He's also a high school boys golf coach and uh, also a very accomplished blogger. Um, you know, as I say in the intro, when we get to it, uh, Jess is a man who wears many hats, and I was very appreciative of him uh, be able to jump in and join me in studio for a couple of hours, actually. So um, the way it's going to shake out is today's podcast is going to be Jess and I talking for about an hour uh, about the upcoming West Coast swing portion of the PGA Tour season. Uh, specifically, we're going to be talking about the four tournaments at uh, Torrey Pines, uh, Scottsdale, Pebble Beach, and then finally uh, capping it off at Riviera down in Los Angeles. So uh, we did record this uh, just a few days ago, right before the Desert Classic was uh, uh, getting underway. And so we will not be talking about that really uh, in this podcast. But before we start, just wanted to say that it was really cool to watch Adam Long win down there. That final group of uh, Phil Mickelson, Adam Hadwin, and uh, um, Adam Long is just, just really good. You know, First of all, to see three guys in a final group um, it was a little odd, but the fact that all three of them were in contention and had a chance to really take it down on the uh, on the last green was really, really good. Uh, and only his sixth PGA Tour start, Adam Long, with a victory, so good for him. Uh, hopefully he can sustain this and, you know, turn himself into a, you know, a profitable and uh, successful touring professional. I know that uh, he's been he's been grinding, you know, on various tours for a long time, so it's really good to see somebody put that kind of work in and finally get uh, get rewarded with a victory. So good on you, Adam Long. But uh, since that was uh, taking place after we recorded this podcast, uh, we're just going to jump right into it. So uh, I'm going to go ahead and give us our, our lead in music from uh, none other than the broiler himself, and uh, which afterwards Jess will be joining me for a West Coast swing preview here on the Golf Guide Podcast. <laughs> All right, ladies and gentlemen, I know I've been promising all of you a very special guest for these last couple of weeks, and he is finally here. He is a uh, a man who wears wears many hats. He is a uh, a teaching professional. He is also a uh, manager of sorts at one of the premier public golfing facilities in the North Bay area. He is also a dominant high school boys golf coach he is my friend the boat mr jesse mech how are you sir thanks for having me kyle uh hello daryl's out there listening <laughs> this is a i feel like it's actually been like a long time coming i mean for i don't know why it has taken this long to get you on this podcast but it is phenomenal to have you here appreciate it buddy looking forward to it yes and uh actually I was lucky enough. You were the one that reached out to me. I was like, "Let's get a little 2019 uh, season Let's get preview this thing going. going." Absolutely. And I was like, "Man, that is that is a really phenomenal." Start idea. early Let's, this year. Players back in March. Good things. Start, yeah, gotta start early. So, just uh, you know, for for everybody's sake, uh, just in case you think that we have some highly unintelligent takes here, if you're listening to this, like you know, several weeks from now, we are recording this mid-January 2019 to be the Thursday of the Desert Classic, to be specific. We are only a few hours removed from Phil Mickelson putting up a 60 at La Quinta Country Club. Filthy Phil. Filthy Phil is right. So um, we, I think what we're going to do is we're going to uh, go through, do a little preview of the West Coast Swing for all of us golfers out here, 
it you know it's a little bit of a different year because pretty much as soon as uh, the end of February is has passed, we really don't get to see any other pro golf around here. This year being the exception with the uh, the U.S. Open uh, taking place at Pebble Beach, but uh, yeah, I, I kind of want to go through preview and just kind of talk a little about the couple tournaments we're going to have on the West Coast Swing here, and then we can kind of get into the uh, the meat and the potatoes of the the rest of the 2019 season. That uh, work okay with you, my dude? We are ready to get it on. All right, perfect. So we are going to skip over the Desert Classic because uh, this podcast is not going to be released until after that tournament is over. Plus, I think we can both agree that of all the West Coast Swing tournaments, it's probably the least significant of all of them. Would you, would, would you agree? Totally agreed. Do, do you have do you have any thoughts on the Desert Classic before we very prominently just skip over that golf tournament? Hard to go up against a premier European Tour event. Uh, looking at that field, those are the guys that probably would bring a, an actual sponsor to it. Um, yeah, it's a, it, it's a lot of the younger guys on tour it's you know getting the young guys first starts out there that just got their card uh the field is definitely not that good but phil 60 come and get some young guys yeah i mean it's it's a good it's a good opportunity for the young guys to pick up some fedex points and you know try to find their way into the playoffs at some point so you know our 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 chico guy hark nation it's where he got off to a good start last year jesus christ what was i doing i introduced you on this podcast and i failed to mention you are a chico (laughs) state wildcat alumni Go cats! Oh, fuck, I, I am very sorry, but that, that that was a huge oversight on my part. That, Go that, cats! That is, that, that is my bad. So, all right, as we skip over the Desert Classic, let's just jump into this uh, this West Coast Swinger. So, from the years, I mean, dare I even say, decades of of golf that you have been watching, Mister Boat. Mm-hmm. Generally speaking, when you talk about the West Coast Swing of the PGA Tour season, is there anything that we can learn from the West Coast Swing that gives you any intel on how the rest of the season is going to shake out? I think probably because you get the field at Riviera, mm-hmm. the history of the golf course, uh, it's a major type setup. Uh, it's at times very penal off the tee. Um, greens are small. They're brutal. Um, I probably look at that. If someone's playing good there, you, you're going you're gonna to see kind of where people's games stand mm-hmm. as far as as their performance at Riviera, it really brings out the best and the worst in these guys. Yeah. And, I mean, we could jump into a little bit more Riviera in detail, but uh, it, it is funny that it seems like a big name always seems to be taking home the the prize at Riviera, but it almost seems like it's unpredictable which big name is going to win because, I mean, did I certainly didn't see Bubba Watson winning last year. No. That, 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 was not, that was not on the cards. And, I mean, I guess DJ the year before that was a little more, you know, you, you could tell a little bit more, but... Yeah, that is a, that's a fascinating golf tour. And you would think, even with Pebble Beach being the week before that, um, that typically Riv is the one that probably brings out the strongest field uh, definitely. for all of them. Yeah, definitely. That field is you're in, you're out, one of the best fields. Yeah, because I, I was trying to think about it. Like, in past years, guys that do really well in any of, like, the West Coast Swing tournaments do – is that usually, like, an indicator that, you know, if somebody wins twice in the West Coast Swing, does that mean – you know, obviously, if you win twice at any point of the year, you're having a pretty fucking good season. Yeah. But does that lead to like later success or greater amounts of success in, in like the majors or anything like that? And I just, I'm t- I'm too dumb to actually be able to kind of really figure that out. So I just didn't know if if a more educated, you know, golf uh, golf man like yourself may have any takes on that. I think you know it's it's indicative. Uh, you know, the other tournaments we're going to be talking about on the West Coast Swing, they have uh, multiple venues. Uh, you know, at the Riv, it's just Riv, come mm-hmm. get it. Yep. 
um, AT and T. You know, <laughs> it's too bad that Spyglass can't host their own <laughs> four round tournament. Yeah, no shit. Um, is you know, some people know, some people don't. Uh, you know, they, these magazines they come out with their top 100s and some of them get it right and some of them do not i mean spyglass is an absolute beast yes um not as much room as pebble uh you know it doesn't get the love from these magazines but if boy if there was a way they could move some room around buy some lots to where we could get the uh the crowds out there i would love to see spyglass yeah. host a pga more than worthy i mean it's it's just an it, it eats your lunch. It's yeah. just it's a phenomenal golf course. It's one of the most gorgeous golf courses you're ever going to see in your life. The layout, the wildlife. Um, for me, every time the AT and T comes up, I'm excited to see some some more coverage at AT and T. Obviously, it's not full coverage where you're going to get the celebrities and stuff like that. But Spyglass is uh, very very solid. Well, lucky for you, tangents are. A- very important part of this podcast we we love going off the rails at, at every moment possible so then the question would be uh, the AT&T is its own thing like I, I'm actually nerding up I'm rereading the match right now because I read it so long ago that I kind of just forgot everything in there and so I'm kind of reading about like the the founding of like the Crosby clam bake and what it was like in those late 30s even in San Diego before they even moved it up to Monterey and then those first couple years and I'm just trying to figure out like so that tournament is what it is because it's it, you know it, it's a legacy golf tournament right it's there because it's been there for so long and it's just got the tradition. Now, as I was mentioning earlier, it fucking blows my mind that there's not West Coast golf tournaments in like the meat of the PGA Tour season. They just stick to the East Coast or they stick in the Midwest. Where, I mean, to be fair, like there's there's good golf everywhere, and you you certainly want to be able to go play those golf courses. But at the same time, like California always has excellent weather and it has fantastic golf courses and what what do you think is going to have to happen for them to finally wake up and actually host like a tournament at a spyglass? You know, it's it's tough. You know, in, in the AT and T, some years it seems like more than not, these guys are playing ball in hand. You know what I mean? Yeah. And they're shooting these scores at spyglass. I remember one year, the year Luke Donald had a sixty two there, and then Phil shot a sixty two. These are some of the years that it was summer conditions and the ball was carrying and rolling in the fairways. When it's wet out. Spyglass, it seems like, plays uphill on every shot. I mean, it's just inviting you to just wear out your middle irons. Um, Which would be nice considering, like, to be fair, like, I love watching these guys play, but it gets to a point where I'd like to see these guys try to have to hit something other than a wedge into a par four. That oh, that, that would be nice. Absolutely. It's, and, they're, you know, they're playing with the amateurs, too. So these aren't their A or even B pins. These are... A lot of these pins are in the middle of the green for the Pro-Am. Right. I would like to see how these guys did when they moved the pins around a little bit and actually made them think instead of just ripping driver. Yeah. Um, it's, yes, 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 yes. So, did you think of, like, all the courses in Monterey or maybe even, like, Northern California, if you were, you know, let's say you're PGA Tour Commissioner, Just Stemek, mm-hmm. and you want to bring, you know, an actual, you know, 72-hole stroke play tournament to the West Coast, more specifically maybe even Northern California, would Spyglass be your first choice for a, ter- a course to host a tournament like that? If we could do it and they figured out a way uh, to you know be able to handle the crowds, mm-hmm. uh, for me it's up there. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, and then, you know, you get a place like even up here at, at Mayakama. Yeah. Uh, hosted USJ event. Uh, was it their uh, state team competition? Um, okay. There's a lot of venues up here 
golf course wise that I think the players would really enjoy. Sure. And as you know, I mean, the hospitality up here in, in wine country is probably second to none. Yeah. I mean, hospitality is moderately important around these uh, around these parts. So I think I think they'd figure it out. Plenty of hotels, Airbnbs, what whatnot. But yeah, I, I would love to see a seventy-two hole stroke play tournament at Spyglass, especially like when the ball's not in hand. Guys are playing the ball down. Conditions are tough. Like you said, they actually have those fucking pins put in some tough spots. I would love, love to see how the guys handle that. Because I, f- I mean, when you think a tough golf course, I mean, would it not be a great U.S. Open venue? If it, again. If they could figure out the logistics of being able to handle crowds and stuff like that. It, I mean, without the views, it probably would be a sterner test than playing it at Pebble like they're going to do this summer, right? I, I, I would even, you know, I, I think we bring Sonoma into the, into, into the chase there. Yeah. Uh, very popular among the Champions Player Tours when it was here sure. for their season in each Wobby event. Uh, just, just some of the quotes I remember, Tom Watson, these are the best services I've ever putted on. And for those of you that are lucky enough to get out to Sonoma, it, they're, they're phenomenal. It's buttery. It's uh, it's uh, if you miss a putt from six feet and in, uh, it's manual error. It's it, you missed it. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing to do with the greens. Um, that that type of venue where there's a little bit more open room for crowds, I, I would love to see them host a big time event. You know, they got it out at Silverado. Johnny had a lot to do with that. A uh, lot of pull there. Sonoma would be, I mean, probably one of the, the, the top three ideal places to host a middle of the season. I mean, the Sonoma in the summer is pretty nice. It, it definitely uh, doesn't suck. Maybe a little bit of lack of lodging, but there's enough neighboring cities that have hotels for these people that want to come see this tournament. Um, the restaurants, the wine, I, I could go on, Kyle. We yeah. both could go on. Yeah. It's we both hold Sonoma in a special place in our heart. It's, Absolutely. It's growing up as a kid, you know, when we got to play that nine-hole match against Sonoma. Boy, we, we fucking were... fucking coveted that we, nine-hole we, match. I swear, if somebody came and creeped up to me, was, and, like, threatening to take my spot away on the <laughs> high school golf team to edge me out of that Sonoma, I, I would get fucking upset. We we <laughs> got the we got the schedule from, uh, from Coach, and we definitely circled that one immediately. Absolutely. I mean, it was like, for me, it was Meadow Club 1, Sonoma 2. Those 100%. are the two that I had to play in yep. every single year. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I would love to see something. So, as we guide ourselves back onto the uh, the old West Coast swing portion mm-hmm. of the podcast, um, so after the Desert Classic that's going to be happening, you know, before people are listening to this, but, you know, as, you know, as we're recording this, we got four more tournaments in this West Coast swing. We've got the Farmers Insurance Open at Torrey Pine South, uh, the Waste Management or the Wasted Management Open at TPC Scottsdale, uh, the Pro-Am, obviously at Pebble, Spyglass, and the Short Course at Monterey Peninsula Country Club. And then we have the, what's it called, the Genesis Open now? Is that what it's called? What, whatever the golf, I think so, yeah. Whatever the tournament is at Riviera um, are, are going to be the four, you know, the big, the main chunk of the West Coast swing. So without specifically getting into individual tournaments, because that's what we're going to do next, mm-hmm. um, players to watch the pl- players you've got your eye on here as we approach these next uh these next four tournaments obviously the one name that i comes to mind is the guy who's won two out of his last four starts the guy who just is coming off a win at the sony open in hawaii the Coach. guy the, the guy who notoriously and now almost infamously uh you know paid his his caddy when he won the mayakoba classic uh, a whopping three thousand dollars uh the cooch himself what is he going to be one of the guys you're most excited to watch in this uh this portion of the season with how well he's playing? If you're not rooting for Cooch, um, you're doing something wrong. I agree. The guy has uh, literally homemade 
you know, I'm going to hit this over the top cut every time, hold off. I'm not going to go to the gym four hours a day. <laughs> I got this weird putting grip and I'm just going to flat out cheers. Just going to get the job done. Uh, if you're not rooting for uh, mind you, he's well into it. Was he 41 now? He's not he's, young. Yeah. I think he's early 40s. 41. What he win the 96 amateur, uh, I, mean, the, I was trying to figure that. What is what year was it at Augusta where he was America's favorite amateur? I I, I met I I, I gotta believe somewhere was it, it Tiger's ninety seven win or was it the year before or after that? I'm trying to rack my brain. Uh, he might have been low am in ninety seven because mm-hmm. who else? Um, well, I mean, it was right. It was right it in was, that little that it, little window right on where Tiger's first win at the Masters. It was I right it, there. I think it was that same year or the year before the year after. I think it might have been the same year, like you were saying in '97. Well, Tiger. Well, did Tiger win in the '90? Tiger, Tiger won in '97. So I'm talking Am. Did Tiger go '94, '95, '96? U.S. Am. I believe so. Yes. So I think I think Kuchar might have been. So Kuchar would have won the Am in '97. He would have been playing the year Marco Mira decided in '98. That makes that to makes become a, lot more a sense. Hall of Fame golfer instead okay. of just a guy that absolutely feasted on the West Coast. <laughs> Five wins at the AT and T. Marco Mira. Marco Mira, wildly underrated. Underrated. Did the he, guy did, could flat out roll the rock. First of all, I miss guys playing Stratas on tour. That 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 was phenomenal. Second, didn't he win two majors in '98? Well, let's talk about Strata for about ten seconds, please. Uh, Bob Borowitz, director of golf, Benavale Golf Course, was on their elite. Tour status, you know, and the guy played maybe eight or eleven AT&Ts, yeah, four PGAs. Did he hold a 50, didn't he hold a fifty-four hole lead at one point? You know, the there's a lot of stories of Bob Boris at the AT&T. Um, probably one of the best ones was leading with his partner Brett Saberhagen mm-hmm. after two rounds in the pro-am portion, and they just butchered <laughs> Saberhagen's handicap because they thought he was sandbagging. <laughs> <laughs> I think they knocked him from a, a, a 12 or 13 to like a 7. Uh, uh, phenomenal. So, no, Bob, you know, he played with Dr. J. He had a lot of cool partners uh, in the pro-am portion there. Um, back to the Strata. Yeah. I played the Strata for a little bit before the Pro V came out. Strata was a good golf ball. Before the Wildly Pro-V underrated. Out, I mean, if I couldn't get my hands on some professionals or a, or a Callaway Red, I was I was all over the strata. And plus, you know, they gave Bob as many balls he wanted, so I definitely got to see some of those in my bag. That's phenomenal. Yeah, the strata. Because w- strata was like a division of top flight, right? Like it was like the, it was Spalding. a luxury ball top. Sp- they were okay. under the Spalding under umbrella. The Spalding. God, that's absolutely phenomenal. Yep. Was did Spalding ever make a balata ball? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, they, they have, the Z balata was that was that the Spalding the ball? The Z balata. Yeah, absolutely. Good times. <laughs> Bennett Valley, when it's a little wet, just ripping back wedges. <laughs> Fifth hole, back of the green to the Spitting front. Spinning that green. bitch back about oh, 40 feet. Oh, the Billy Blum special. Oh, that is amazing. All right. Uh, what's to say? Other than Cooch, is there any other guys uh, in particular that you're really looking forward to watching these next couple of weeks? One guy that kind of got uh, derailed with some injuries. Um, he was talked about when he was hot, you know, with being, being with Thomas and Spieth in the. I'm looking for Daniel Berger to have a really nice okay. bounce back season. Sure. Um, I just I, I like the guy's game. He gets after. It. He's fearless. The guy does not play away from flags. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm 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 looking for that guy to have a big year this year. All balls, no yep. JV shit. All no, balls, 100. percent I like that. Okay, excellent. So let's uh, let's get in like individual tournaments now for these uh, these four West Coast swing tournaments we're talking about. So the Farmer Insurance Open at Torrey Pine South, um, the defending champion. I, Honestly, when I was actually 
kind of prepping for the podcast, I completely forgot that Jason Day won this tournament last year. Yep. I, I, I had almost zero recollection because I'm pretty sure we were all just watching Tiger trying to figure out what he's going to do last year. And it was like a footnote that Jason Day, who is also one of the world's premier players, ended mm-hmm. up winning this golf tournament. Um, and you know what? That may end up being the case again because uh, news came out, I think, yesterday that Tiger is going to be making his 2019 season debut in San Diego at the uh, at the Farmers Insurance Open. So He has um, been good to the people at Farmers. He's, he's, he's definitely not bad. Um, first of all, do you have any experience down at Torrey, at Torrey Pines? Zero experience. Okay. Uh, played a college tournament down there, got to see the setup. Uh, just basically hung out, uh, hung out by the pro shop, never played it. Uh, one of the biggest Daryls we know, Bill Blum, you know, yes. he now lives in San Diego. Yes, Captain Daryl. Uh, him and um, Dr. Jared Wilburn um, play it and send me pictures and text messages of scorecards and beer. And it infuriates me a little bit, but... As it should. It, it'll happen. I don't think that course is going anywhere. No, it's not going anywhere. Um, in terms of setups... Narrow, sea level, dense air, seventy six hundred yards. Is that? Uh, I mean, personally, I would I would just get my ass kicked for you know four, four and a half five hours. These guys are obviously a little better, but it also seems like it's a pretty tough course for the pros as well. I mean, obviously, when Tiger won the U.S. Open there, it was really really gnarly. But it doesn't really even seem like it plays that much easier for the farmers. It's long. It's narrow. It's it's kind of brutal. I mean, what, what, what do you think about the setup in the, the tournament itself when you watch the guys play Tory? It's, you know, it, de- it depends on the week. Uh, you know, there's been really foggy weeks down there. But if it's clear weather, then they can they can get the ball out there pretty well. Uh, the weather definitely determines the scores on that golf course. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you know, I, I, the north used to be the scorable course. You used to make your money on the north. Mm-hmm. And then try and hang on when you get to the south on the weekend. But after the redesign, the scores – have come up a little bit. Yeah. Um, you know, Phil was devastated. He didn't get to resign <laughs> that. I think Weiskopf got it, but um, yeah, it was Weiskopf. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's 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 no longer just a go get me a sixty-five or sixty-five or sixty-five or sixty-six and try and get to the South Course. Um, it's it's the, the South Course on the weekend. It's the finishing hole. I I'd honestly like to see it a little bit shorter. I'd actually, like give, to, actually I, give guys a chance to really try to put, I'd like put up to a red see number guys there. to be able to come in there with maybe a hybrid. Uh, you know, some of the longer hitters can get there, but I, I'd like to see more risk. A lot of the guys now are just laying up, even off the tee. Um, but, you know, we, we remember uh, John Rahm's finish two years ago when he hooped it from the back of the green. Yeah. It's had some, you know, <laughs> oh, we, we forget when Phil made Bones go up there and tend the flag yes, with a wedge. I forgot that was a Tory. Oh, that was amazing. a Tory. There's been there's been some good finishes. Uh, Tory, I usually don't tune in till Sunday on that one, um, unless someone's just doing something stupid like Phil did today. <laughs> That's also fair. Yeah, for whatever reason, I I'm not sure he's ever won the tournament more than once, but I don't know why. But for whatever reason, it always seems like Brent Snedeker is right on the cusp of winning that golf tournament. Do you do you think this year is going to be any different? Talk about a hot and cold guy. Um, <laughs> You know he's got that he's got that pop stroke. Yeah. What, now, what do you mean by the pop stroke? The pop stroke, short, and you know he he accelerates a lot yeah. versus the the pendulum type stroke that you'll see with ninety eight percent of the guys on tour. Yeah. Um, the greens. That's that's uh, that's why we don't get some of the premier players playing on the West Coast. Tiger for years griped about the greens being bumpy this time of year. Yeah. 
It's I mean, this is not the ideal time of year to play golf anywhere. Even the West Coast, where the weather's obviously a hundred times better than it is anywhere else in the country, uh, it's it's still not the most ideal time to be playing golf. Not ideal. If you want this, perfect this, conditions, the surfaces aren't ideal. Um, it's it, it it frustrates people, but it, that type of it's more of an old school stroke where the greens are maybe a little bit slower. And you got to make sure that you're carrying a little bit of momentum at the hole, because if it if it hops offline, you you don't have a lot of chance. So, right. um, you know that goes other ways too. It's it's you can get a, a conservative putter who's really taking the three footers out and just hoping to hoop a few long ones, and then you can get the aggressive guy who's not scared of the four footer coming back. And, you know, Brant is a very very I I would almost say cocky putter. Doesn't spend a lot of time. He's not really worried about the next one. He's he's pretty sure he's going to make the one you know in front of him. Just trying to dunk it and go on. It's yeah. It's I mean live and die with the with with the putter with him. Uh, ball streaking ball striking wise, he always worries me a little bit. Um, real quick tempo, you know what I mean. And with a quick tempo, if you're off a little bit or you're fighting an injury or a long layoff, uh, more times than not, it can come back to haunt you. Yeah. Uh, it, you know, I'm sure he's been somewhere warm, grinding, hopefully. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of an anomaly that he's had so much uh, success there. Yeah. I mean, would you – with someone who has a swing like he does, like that pop swing, would you would you consider that twitchy, like quick twitchy? Or would you say it, it's just more spir- – I don't know. I wouldn't even know how to define his golf swing. I mean, obviously, you're a teaching professional, so you have a much better idea, which well, – so I mean, you, you could explain to me way better than I could, but – Anyone who's seen me swing the golf club knows I probably shouldn't mean telling other people they have bad swings. <laughs> uh, mine is, you know, the most moan, uh, homemade you've seen, but just the... the to the be fair, though, yeah. I don't want to, I mean to cut you off, but that's what the tour is missing. <laughs> that, that, that's literally exactly what the tour is missing. Like, yeah. it, is, you know, that I kind of do get tired of just watching 98% of the guys have track man swings. Oh, it's... I, I, miss, I miss fun golf swings. Like, well, I mean... Jim Furyk, I mean, I believe he is the only uh, living player to ever break 60 twice, is he not? I think so. Yeah, I, I, I think, think that so, means yeah. we need more golf swings like Jim Furyk's. It sounds good to me. Exactly, whatever works for you. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's, I'm, you know, he's worked with a couple different teachers. Um, definitely one of the, the you know, the, the quicker paced golf swings. Yeah. On tour, there's a lot, not a lot of, uh, not a lot of load. Um like I said, it's kind of beginning to be hit or miss with Brant. It, it is, it is, it, it's kind of refreshing, like yeah. you said. Um, it, it's his golf swing, you know, and it's, it hasn't changed much over the years. No, not at all. You know, he's got the right recipe for him, and you know, he he puts that thing in the oven. It's pretty good. So, as we move on from the farmers insurance, we're going to jump into the wasted management at TPC Scottsdale. Um, last year for. Maybe the only time that I can ever recall Gary Woodland actually finished what he started mm-hmm. and came up with a victory. Um, give me your general thoughts on the tournament down at uh, at TPC Scottsdale. I, I've i never been. I would like to go almost just to kind of study it like it's the outback because it it, it's the most outlier of all the golf tournaments in terms of the, the fan experience and just like what the guys have to deal with in terms of crowd noise and everything else like that. From... Again, I've never been there, but peop, you know, friends that I have who tell me about their experience, they're really not even that impressed with the golf course. I think there's so much attention put on that stadium par three. I can't even remember if it's 15 or 16, but it's like 16. Yeah, it's 16. That the whole rest of the golf course almost seems like it gets overlooked, and maybe that's a good thing. I, I don't know. Um, but 
for you personally? What 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 are some of your thoughts on the waste management? Same as you've never been there. Uh, back to Gary Woodland real quick. That guy needs to win more. Yes, he does. Um, He's too fucking good to not win. He that, more mean, often. I, anyway. I do like the fact that he played college basketball before he turned to college golf. The guy's an athlete, uh, and you can see it the way he swings the golf club. Mm-hmm. Um, he needs to win more. Uh, you know, obviously, we know he's he's worked on his putting. Um, really hope that guy starts notching them together. Yes, because I think he could be right up there with Brooks Kepka. The uh, way he hits the golf, absolutely. We we get those guys, those type of guys on the Ryder Cup team. We won't see uh, that fucking Daryl Poulter fucking pounding his chest <laughs> like a fucking idiot. Uh, I mean. So, do you think Gary Woodland has a chance to repeat? I mean, Grant, absolutely. He, have, he had a fifty-four hole lead at Kapalua just two weeks ago. I mean, absolutely, he, he's, 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 he's obviously in good shape. He's playing great. Obviously, has good vibes on the golf course. Mm-hmm. I, I, he's he's going to be one of the even you know the fantasy guru. Yeah, um, he'll, he'll be up there. He'll be one of their top five picks. Yeah, I certainly hope so. Um, any other thoughts on the the waste management before we jump into the AT and T? The Instagram videos are fun. Um, <laughs> you know, I've never been there just like you, and it's. Uh, yeah, I've heard you got to do it once. Um, old school golfers probably hate it. It's probably, probably most likely a little bit younger crowd there. Um, I mean, I will say this: there are hotter, or I should say, you know, just to keep this thing a little bit more PG. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there is some uh, tastier slices of uh, ciabatta roaming around that 16th hole than probably anywhere else on tour. And I'm wondering if it's distracting for all these, you know supremely talented 24 year old 24 year olds that uh comprise so you know such a large portion of the world rankings i mean do, do you think the just abundance of really top-notch talent roaming around the 16th hole is any kind of distraction for these guys uh the way the kids are now they're they're probably liking it yeah right. uh, you know they want to put on a show uh you know, they're not they're not shying away from it um that aspect is it's it's you know it, it depends on the the individual but uh you know the the, the 17th hole is really cool too the drivable part four yeah for sure. i like i like the the antics in the plays uh there better than it's i mean it's like a wedge or a nine iron on 16 yeah uh, but a drivable part four there's been i think it was fowler maybe two or three years ago when he was the hen he hit a perfect tee shot with driver and just landed in like a foot patch of where it couldn't land on this teeny downslope, rolls all the rolls right past the pin into the into the hazard, and you ended up losing that tournament. I think he lost in a playoff. Did, is that the one that uh, Matsuyama won? I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's great. I mean, that is good, but yeah. Again, I, I've only heard from other people that they don't love the golf course. I would love to be able to go and watch and walk around myself to actually form my own opinion because I mean, it can't suck that bad. And us as the it? viewers, we we don't know. Yeah. They, they don't. They don't. They don't show the front. You know, they 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 do they they show approach shots. They're not. I mean, so who knows? I mean, it. I'm with you. I, I would like to, I would like to go and make up my mind. That would be that would be wonderful. So with that, let's jump into. I would say probably the most uh, recognizable event on the West Coast Swing, which is uh, the AT and T Pebble Beach Pro Am, mm-hmm. formerly the Crosby Clambake. Um, one Ted Potter Jr. Yep. is the defending champion of uh the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am um obviously you've played a couple of those courses in competitive environments um please all all, all your thoughts on the Pro-Am the courses just just generally you could go wherever you want on this one I, I'm leaving this one open-ended 
Ted Potter, um, the guy was a mini tour legend, finally got out there. If you haven't seen this guy swing a golf club, you need to. Um, he's a lefty. He's got a beer gut. And he just gets after it. Um, yeah. Watching him win last year was really cool. Yes, I agree. Really I, cool. I thoroughly enjoyed watching Ted yeah. Potter, Ted Potter uh, step into the winner's circle. That was very satisfying as a golf fan to watch. Fantastic. Yeah. Um, you know, as far as I think in the rotation is MPCC uh, and then Spyglass again. I miss it being at Poppy Hills because all of us Northern California golfers could go play that golf course relatively cheap. It's, the, it's really the most accessible golf course on 17 Absolutely. mile drive. Absolutely, and it, it you know it was they complained about the drainage and then they they redid it. I haven't been down there since they redone it. Mm-hmm. I've heard mixed reviews, but um, probably more better than not. Um, I think they probably did that to, in hopes of of getting in in the rotation down the road yeah it's gonna be tough um because mpcc is just immaculate um both courses yes uh that property i mean it it, the peninsula is it's the mecca if you've got either some connections or some coin uh it's the the best place in you know in all of north america go play golf if you've got connections and coin, I mean, you know. some people would argue, I guess, the tri-state area with some of the old, you know, incredible old money clubs that are back there. But uh, I mean, it's tough to argue. As, it's tough to argue against Monterey, man. As close as they are, if 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 money isn't a hurdle, and you're able to get on some courses, and you want to go spend a week, two courses at MPCC that will knock your socks off, Pebble. Spyglass. People don't like Spanish Bay because it's getting windy. It gets windy in the afternoon. Spanish Bay is a phenomenal Span- golf course. Thank you. I, I was going to say, like, I have never understood people that don't like Spanish Bay. That golf course is incredible. Phenomenal like, golf absolutely course. Absolutely incredible. I, I, I maybe it's people just like to shit on Robert Trent Jones Jr. for you know for being a you know housing development you know, kind of golf course archive. Whatever. Spanish Bay is. And Tom Watson. <laughs> Yeah, and Sandy Tatum. Yep. I mean, that golf course is phenomenal. I, I would anybody traveling out to Monterey looking for a, a fun place to go play golf, that is high on my high on my list. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I think you know. Look, quick aside, uh, as a way for my parents to incentivize me to not get shitty grades in eighth grade, mm-hmm. my dad told me, "I'll tell you what, I will take you to go play Pebble Beach and one other golf course in Monterey if you get straight A's." And I was like, "That's all I got to hear, man. All, all I got to hear." So I get straight A's. He takes me down, and the two courses he ends up get letting me play are Pebble and Spanish Bay. Now, granted, when I played Pebble, they had punched the greens like five days beforehand, so that mm-hmm. maybe played a little bit. But when I played Pebble and Spanish Bay on back-to-back days, I came away being like, I think Spanish Bay is just as good of a golf course. It's it's, it's certainly underrated. Um, wildly underrated. It's th- some of the views out there and the holes. It's it. It's it's gorgeous out there. Some unbelievable restaurants on property. Mm-hmm. Um, Spanish Bay. I I was lucky enough to intern intern at, at uh, Pebble, and um, my roommate uh, was in the shop at Spanish Bay. We played more golf there than anywhere else. Uh, you know, we had we could we could go to the other properties, the Pebble mm-hmm. Beach Company properties, and play there. But we would play twenty seven holes in a cart in about four hours out there in the afternoon. It I mean it, it can get windy out there. Sure. But, but that's also what Lynx Golf is supposed to do. It can I mean, get windy. It, it, kept, it kept the, you know, so-and-so 
clientele away, which was it's great for us. The Daryl stayed away is what yep. you're trying to tell me. Yeah, it was really, really good. But um, as far as the AT&T is concerned, I mean, obviously, if it went to Spanish Bay or back to Poppy, I think all of us would be perfectly happy. But with the three courses they have right now, obviously with Spyglass, Pebble, and the short course at Monterey Peninsula Country Club, it's pretty damn good. Between <laughs> yes, yes, those <laughs> it's pretty fucking good. I mean, it, it is. It's definitely not terrible. Um, is there one course that you enjoy watching the guys play the most? I mean, you were talking about Spyglass quite a bit earlier. I mean, mm-hmm. would, would that be your answer, or do you enjoy watching guys take on the other two courses just as much? So I worked at Pebble, got to play there quite a bit. For me, it's just it's 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 Spyglass. Uh, yeah watching and they don't they don't necessarily show a lot of the guys in tough situations there when they show people with spyglass it's maybe a guy going on a run yeah getting hot um but if they do happen to show someone short-sighted at uh, spyglass mm-hmm. i'm like who i've been there <laughs> <laughs> i've been there buddy uh you know good good luck to you uh yeah for me it's 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 spyglass i you know and even before i worked there obviously some amateur tournaments and um, they used to have this really, really cool tournament in the summer. It was a, a one pro four junior scramble. Whoa. And you had your local qualifying at the course. Uh, it was determined that our pro was going to be Hot Rod, Rodney Wilson. Hot Rod. And uh, let's just say Hot Rod didn't want to see any of the money leave town because the pros got paid at the sectional level too. Yes. So he kind of stacked the deck a little bit. And it was uh, 10 to an 11-year-old, uh, 12 to 13, 14 to 15, and 16 to 17. So you had one kid from each age group, and uh, I was the 10-year-old, and then the 12 to 13-year-old was Gordon Chase, a uh, very good player from Annaly, who ended up playing at Virginia Tech for a year. The 14 to 15-year-old was a guy named Jason Ballard, who was now head pro at Oak Hill okay. Country Club in Rochester, New York. Yep. Uh, went on to be a great Viking, played at San Diego State for a year, came back to the JC, now in their Hall of Fame. Perfect. Um, and the 16- to 7-year-old was this massive Daryl named Sean Darnell, but he could hit the ball a country mile. <laughs> and so we won the local qualifier BV. I think we shot I think we shot nine under for nine holes. So yes. the, the other teams Hot Rod put together <laughs> weren't going weren't gonna to match us for. Oh, and then the regional was actually um, – Paradise Valley, Fairfield. Okay. Yep. We shoot 15 under with Hot Rod. We win there. And then the the, the championship was supposed to be at Pebble. Conflict uh, scheduling had to move us to Spyglass, and I was devastated. And my dad is like, you shouldn't be devastated. He's like, at some point you'll be able to play Pebble, but I think you're really going to like Spyglass. Sure. And, you know, I go down there. It's fantastic. I forget my golf shoes. We go to the Nevada Bobs in, <laughs> in Pacific Grove. I get some brand-new golf shoes. Oh, uh, we go play Spyglass, and I just remember being in love with yeah. the place. It was, I remember the, the teeny pro shop. Um, I think that's one of the most underrated, like, oh, great oh. – I, for whatever reason, I love awesome golf courses that just have super understated, tiny little. It's like, hey man, you're here to play fucking play golf. Like, what do we need to have a big golf the, shop for? The one practice putting green, and then the, right, right outside their front door is another putting green that can't be more than like sixty or seventy square feet. Yeah, it's just, so great. It's spyglass. It's and even just it is so not Pebble Beach Company. Their little grill. 
Yeah, right. <laughs> They're putting out some great food, that little girl. So for me, Spyglass always held a special place in my heart. Awesome. Okay, perfect. So with that all being said, uh, we'll move on to the final leg of the West Coast Swing, uh, the tournament at Riviera. Um, you know, I, I, all the uh, the golf architecture uh, nerds out there certainly – you know, circle this one on the calendar is probably the best golf course that the pros play on an annual basis. Um, and certainly can't disagree with them there. Um, are you as infatuated or as impressed with Riviera as the rest of the uh, golfing, you know, community? I, I don't want to say golfing mm-hmm. community, but th- that subsection of the golfing community that really pays a lot of attention to that stuff. Um, do, you, do you hold Riviera in as high regard as uh, many of those guys do, and see it as probably the best place the guys play on a, on a year-to-year basis? I think the perfect example is the 10th hole. Yeah. Very drivable, but it's almost... It is the pinnacle of strategic design. It's, I mean, watching those guys having to hit those wedge shots, I mean, it, it, it can make them look really bad with a wedge in their hand. Yeah. Whether it's a 20-yard pitch or... It's just, it, 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 it really now those guys are trying to get it long and left so they can be pitching back uphill, but then you have such little green to work with and the, the longer hitters are going to three, but if they miss hit a little bit and come up short, it's like, how do I hold this ball to a back right flag? Like the, the angle the ball will be landing on. It's like, well, I can't slice a 40 yard, you know, it's, it's, that hole is literally not a lot of times where with the driver or a three, you'll see them playing away from a hole. And it's, if you're, if you miss by five yards, then you're back there under, I don't know what kind of tree that is or bush. It is so that, that hole stands out to me in my mind because in a lot of other golf courses on a downhill 310 yard par four, it's just, Give me the big dog. I'll try and take some off of it. That's yep. how far they're hitting it now. I'll Long try gouge. and hit a little, a little butter fade in there. Uh, that shit does not fly at the tenth hole. No, and it's for the guys, the, the manufacturers out there. You know the Scott Brown types. Um, you can't hit four and off the tee and hit a full. Way. It's gonna be coming in with too much velocity, and it's gonna skip in that back bunker. It's you walk away with a four there every time. Going okay. I I didn't I didn't I I didn't slip up. Um, and then a lot of the times, it's if you make a birdie there, you you had to get a little lucky. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Um, with that being said, if I asked you to power rank mm-hmm. the four tournaments we talked about on the West Coast Swing in terms of your favorite, uh, second favorite, third and fourth, how would you stack them? One AT and T, the celebrities, the three unbelievable tracks, mm-hmm. um, and then after that, I got to go to Riv, uh, the field. Usually, uh, usually. It's coming down to Sunday on the back nine. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty close. 100%. Uh, typically not a shootout. And then after that, I got Tory. Um, just because I, I think it's probably a little bit better golf course than, sure. than uh, I'd agree. waste management. Yeah, I think I'd have it the, uh, the same order. AT&T, Genesis, Farmers Insurance Open, and then uh, the Waste Management Open wrapping mm-hmm. up the uh, the four. Uh, perfect, man. Any other uh, last thoughts on the, the West Coast swing portion of the uh, schedule before we move on? If you've got kids... Or if you want to go drink some beer, get your ass down to Pebble Beach. Absolutely. Absolutely. Second. It is, uh, it's a very fan-friendly event. And with that, uh, I'm going to put a wrap on this section of the podcast. I actually have 
probably another hour and a half uh, or so of audio with Jess where we really get into the uh, the nuts and bolts of the full PGA Tour season as we preview uh, the players that we're looking forward to and also who we think uh, are going to be taking down the major championships uh, you know, several months in advance. I'm sure we'll, we'll be doing individual previews for all of the major championships this year, but uh, you know, it, it is interesting to you know to listen back to something like this. You know, as in the middle of the season, to think what exactly did what did I think was going to happen before any of this had happened. You know, it was going down. So anyway, uh, over the next couple of weeks, I will be releasing the second portion of uh, my sit down with Mr. Steemack. Uh, it's probably going to release be released in two parts. Uh, don't don't want to just drop a full you know Joe Rogan esque two hour podcast on you. So uh, that'll probably come out in two different parts. I would imagine um, as the West Coast swing is coming to a wrap and we look forward to the rest of the season, that is when I will be releasing those. So uh, prepare yourself for that. And uh, otherwise, I will be back next week with a more, uh, more normal kind of news based podcast. Um, yeah, so I hope you guys really enjoyed this. It was a ton of fun to sit down with Jess. I'm already looking forward to uh, releasing the next part of the podcast for you guys. And uh, with that being said, until next time, mahalo. Mahalo.